Now we're just days away to learning who will lead the party. And Ford has been very concerned that thousands of members are not actually going to be allowed to vote in the race. And he is the one who will be hurt most. He's not saying that, but I am. Because I suspect many of the new memberships have been bought by Ford Nation, his followers. And I've mentioned this. I bought a card, a membership. I'm not a card-carrying member of the PC party, but I did buy a membership when I learned that there was quote-unquote rot. Because I wanted to see if there was going to be an issue with memberships of voting. Apparently there are many. I've reached out to the top people running the show. No response. I can't get any information to give to you. I wish I could. And I registered two weeks ago and nothing. And no one in my family's gotten theirs. Friends have not gotten theirs. A lot of people have not gotten there. There's 190,000 members who apparently bought memberships. And now we're hearing as many as a, that a quarter of that number will get to vote. And the party says, ah, so what? Yeah, so what? That's a problem. Nonetheless, there is concern. And you can bet if those members don't get a say... It will open up some real problems. I sat down with Doug Ford a little bit earlier today uh, for part one of a conversation that we had on his concerns as we're now just days away from finding out who could possibly be the next premier. So, Mr. Ford, a lot of issues about memberships, voting, voter ID. I haven't gotten my card. My family hasn't gotten the card. I'm hearing from dozens of people who bought a membership and they can't vote. What's your major concern about this? Well, my biggest concern, and it's not uh, a Doug Ford concern or Caroline or Christine or Tanya, it's about people going out there, spending $10, wanting to be part of the democratic uh, process, and the party's failed. The party has failed uh, the members terribly. It's 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 terrible out there. So there, there's approximately uh, 20, 20 25,000 people have voted. I'll even be generous and say 30,000 as of today. Uh, Thirty thousand out of one hundred ninety-five thousand members. Something, something's broken here. There's so many people that haven't received their pin numbers. Once they even uh, get their pin numbers, it's confusing as anything. There's tens of thousands of seniors that won't be able to vote, and even people that are half computer literate are having problems uh, putting in their pin number. A zero is supposed to be no. A two is supposed to be a Z, and and uh, you know, scanning your photo ID and then transferring to your computer. I know I couldn't even do that. You know, Frank Lees, a bright, bright guy, he called me up and said it took me two hours to figure this out, and I had to get help. I actually got my producer to do it for me. Yeah. Um, you, say, you, I think, are the one candidate who stands to lose the most by this, because I think a lot of people will say, oh, interesting that none of the new people who got memberships were able to vote. Is that your concern? It, it's, a, it's a concern of mine, but it should be a concern to all the candidates as well. Um, I'm, I'm very concerned. And uh, I have said uh, over and over again, uh, there's no rush here. The The voting should be extended until everyone has an opportunity to vote or get their PIN numbers, register. And it, it, even uh, 195,000 people, uh, and they're, they're motivated because they paid. So I'm, I'm thinking the vote should be closer to 80%, 80-90%. And I don't even think it's going to be 40% of, of the party. Matter of fact, it's going to be a lot less because cutoffs tomorrow at eight o'clock. Right, and so you know when you turn off a motivated voter, that's they're right. not coming back in June. That's that's right. Yeah, they're they're frustrated, they're disenfranchised with the party uh, and their their thought process, and it's my thought process. These same people can't run a leadership race. How can they run an election? So if I'm leader, 
people are going to be held accountable for this. So you look at this as a preview to to what is wrong in the party. I mean, Vic Fidelli came out today mm-hmm. and talked about apparently the party's now all cleaned up after 39 days. Everything's just tickety boo, um, and yet this leadership race is being is a boondoggle. Well, the leadership committee is a, is an absolute boondoggle. Why did they go with the system that they knew it was broken? Why did they go with the system that seniors couldn't vote or people that didn't have internet access and computers? Why did they do this? If you lose on Saturday, mm-hmm. if if the results come back and you lose, will you contest it? Well, let's see what happens on, on Saturday. And uh, let's look at the percentage of the people that are allowed to vote. And we'll we'll be able to make that decision then. But it's, it's very concerning. And all, all four people running in this race should be concerned for their voters. Not, not for themselves, but for their voters. And disenfranchising so many people uh, across Ontario. Getting back to the point you just made about, um, you know, if they can't get this right, how do they run the province? That is a narrative that opposition, liberals, and NDP will be happy to hear and make an attack ad out of. Well, they, um, they can make the attack ad, but if I'm leader... They're going to be gone, all these people. Well, that's one way of looking at it. But you will, um, I think the media will play a hand. They'll say, look, you guys can't even get a leadership race right. How do you expect this party, after all the last month of turmoil, Mm -hmm. uh, now this, to be confident in the party? So how do you clean this up? You've got to differentiate between MPPs, the premier or the leader of the party, versus the executive of the party that put these people in place to run the leadership race. Two different departments, two different areas. Uh, I have all the confidence in the world in the MPPs that are going to be running this province. Uh, the the people part of the PC executive will not be running this province whatsoever. They they run leadership races. They look after uh, the party's uh, rules for the most part, but they they aren't part of the PC fund per se. They aren't about raising money. Uh, so you have to differentiate between the MPPs, the leader, and the executive of the PC party and the executive has proven to me that they can't run this leadership race. So if you do win the result or if you do not win and the results stand, you're still going to run. I'm running. Regardless of the result, you're still running as an MPP. I wouldn't not run because, because there's been incompetency on, on the uh, level of the executive. And and again, you have to differentiate between, I got to be very clear to this to our listeners. There's the the executive, there's the MPPs, a whole different group that have no say towards the executive, and then there's the campaign team that has nothing to do with the executive. Yeah. The executive's totally separate. Yeah. It won't affect the election. It won't affect anything. That's internal with the party. It is, but we're in a unique situation where a leadership is being held so close to an election and people yeah. just happen to be very, very engaged. So That's they're right. seeing what's normally ignored up close and That's they're wondering... Right. What is going on? I want to talk to you about an issue that um, could hit our area very, mm-hmm. very hard. It's a, it's a federal issue. We're talking about tariffs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you head down the road to Hamilton, yeah. um, and you would be, theoretically, if you won premier of mm-hmm. Hamilton as well, yeah. um, and representing them, what would you say to them? Because they're looking for <coughs> confidence right now. There's extreme yeah. concern that they will be just leveled by, by tariffs. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I agree 100%. I was in uh, the Sioux. They had a steel mill there, 3,500 people, mm-hmm. uh, had an opportunity to talk to the local representative, and uh, they're, they're, they're nervous right now. But we need a, a strong leader, a principled leader that won't waver. And uh, what, what uh, I guess the administration south of the border doesn't realize, 
20 states down there. Their largest exporter is Ontario. What they don't realize, the people in Sault Ste. Marie, they cut off, you know, put a tariff 25% on, on the steel. All the ore comes from Michigan. So if your so premier, gonna... uh, because Premier Wynne has spoken out about it, she's done as much, I think, as, uh, as many would think a premier can do. But if you're premier, would you be working those phones uh, oh, and calling working... to the Rust Belt and, and dealing uh, with this? I, I would be dealing with uh, all the 20 states, uh, the largest exporter again, and 20 states is Ontario. So I'd be reaching out to all 20 governors. And uh, and if our prime minister, you know, can't deal with it, because I'm not too sure if he's capable of dealing with it, if I have to reach out to the White House, make a contact, I will, because someone has to stand up for for Ontario. And uh, right now we're, we're relying on, on a premier, in my opinion, on, on our way out. And we're trying to rely on a prime minister that has shown he's not capable of sitting down and being tough with uh, not only south of the border, but uh, other areas that he, he's gone to, be it uh, China, uh, that they basically slapped him down like a little schoolboy told him to go home, and, and the U.S. and his disastrous trip in India, uh, Japan. So you need, you need someone strong to sit down and not, not, not fight it. I don't believe in fighting it out with the Americans because our trade is, is pretty well balanced for the most part. Uh, it, it's not it's not like south of the U.S. border in Mexico. Uh, it's a little off balance, but ours ours we we take in as much and we ship out, and it's, it's a pretty fair trade. So why why do we want to start a trade war be- between two close neighbors and two close allies? It's just not in the best interest of of Canada. It's not the best interest of the U.S. But uh, make no mistake about it. Uh, that administration's a tough administration. The president's a, a tough negotiator. So we, we have to stand up and be just as tough. Okay. And so have you had to develop your platform, uh, given that you could be leader? Are you going to have to develop your platform with this bearing in mind? Well, I think we have to take it into consideration. Alex, uh, again, we're, we're doing uh, 20, 20 states, massive trade. So we want jobs. I was just in Sarnia. I've crisscrossed this province. And I was just in uh, Sarnia in, in Windsor. Oh, Windsor, they, they lost uh, the Ford uh, engine plant. Uh, 700 jobs are going to Michigan. 6,000 people in, in Detroit, I mean in Windsor, cross the border every single day to get employment on the other side of the border. I want those people to stay here. But people, human nature says, you know, X, if you're going X and they're paying you this and Y's over here and they're paying you more, they're going to go where the jobs are, and I'm going to create jobs. I'm going to make this the most prosperous region in North America to do business. Doug Ford joining us tonight. We have a further discussion that will run tomorrow night on what his platform might look like. What is he planning on running on, and how has he changed since his brother's death? Because now Doug is not being overshadowed by any distractions or anything. He has just now got one vision.